Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Kindling Helpline is all about giving you some tips to tweak your family routine to make life easier. Anyone with small children knows that there's no rule book, but if you have a few things that are a little bit challenging, Chris Minogue is here to answer your questions. Chris has over 30 years experience as a mothercraft nurse, and she helps everyone from their first baby to their second, third, or more. Mm. And um, also that dynamic of families can sometimes be a bit tricky to work out when they're quite small. So Chris is here to answer your questions. Um, and as well, uh, I try to remember to mention this, sometimes something might be happening that you think is this normal or not normal? And Chris can tell you and put your heart and mind at rest if it is normal, because <laughs> goodness knows children do lots of strange things. Hello, Chris. Welcome. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'm the host of Kindling Conversation. So if you'd like to call Chris now, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. Or you can text on 0437-665-200. Or you can leave your question on Facebook if you're watching the Facebook Live now. First up, we have Susie on the line. Susie has a three-and-a-half-year-old. Hi, Susie. How are you? Hi there. Very well, thanks. Let us Tell us what's going on for you. Um, so my three-and-a-half-year-old um, has recently just started being very scared at bedtime about monsters, and she is um, making us stay with her until she goes to sleep. She says she's frightened, and... Um, then once asleep, she's waking repeatedly during the night and screaming out. And um, and if we leave her, she just gets hysterical. So, is it the same um, monsters in the middle of the night, or was yeah. it random things in the middle of the night? No, she says she says to us, "Oh, I'm only a little girl. I'm frightened, and I need help to go to sleep." Okay. It's all happened after watching um, a Disney film that she yep. was very frightened of. <laughs> so that's usually where she gets the don't shut the door, stay with me, is that they've yeah. seen something like so a lot of people read um, Gruffalo's Child at this, yep. this age group and that can be a little bit scary, a little bit dark for them. So yeah. what we have to do is probably what started off as something that was scary and she needed reassurance has also started off, whenever I wake up, I now need you to help me yeah. go back to sleep. So that's when she yeah. says, I'm a little girl and I need help. She's very um, well, yes, very well spoken. <laughs> um, so what I think we need to do is change her mindset. And okay. what do you read to her before she goes to bed at night? Oh, we read, we always read three books and we choose from, you know, a whole array of stories, but they're often just, um, you know, kind a of story. age appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing is I would start to read maybe some bedtime stories. Like I think there's a real definite genre for bedtime stories and the way that they work in terms that they're soft and quiet and they're on soft paper and they're rhythmic. So it's almost like singing to a child. So I change what she's reading um, and then I'd slowly just start um, giving her more reassurance that she can go to sleep herself. So how long are you staying with her at the moment? Um, well, 
my husband's been sort of sitting by her bed for, uh, I don't know, anything from half an hour to an hour um, until she goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then in the night, I'm going in, and it, it only takes probably about 10 minutes. But, um, but you, you know, need to go a couple in. of times a night. Yeah. And I realise it's not really sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, and does she have a sleep in the day? She is. She's um, she's at childcare three days a week, yeah. and the other days when she's with me, she sleeps for about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, that's the actual problem. So right. the reason that she's doing the multiple wake-ups at night will be that uh-huh. she's sleeping for a very long time in the day for her age. Okay. So yeah. why don't we slowly start reducing that back, because that will mm-hmm. stop your nights, and it'll also make it quicker for her to go to bed, even if she needs you to help help her be there. So um, what time do you normally put her down? Um, it sort of bath starts at 6.30 and then she's sort of in bed 7, reading and then, you know. And what time do you put her down for her day's sleep? Um, it's between sort of 12.31 yep. and, um, yeah, she, she'll she could be, go down. She could be still easy. sleeping at 2.30 or 3. Yeah. On your days. Okay, so the other thing to know is that she needs five to five and a half hours awake from when she wakes up to when you start putting her to bed. So if she's not getting up to 2.33, that explains why it can take your husband up to an hour to get her to sleep. So why don't we start putting her down at the same time and getting her up at the same time just to help her regulate. So maybe putting her down at 12.30 and getting her up at 2. So then she's having Mm -hmm. an hour and a half. And that's pretty reasonable for her age. And then that's the process then starting about quarter past 7 and being out of her room between half past 7 and quarter to 8, depending on the pool and what she needs. Um, and the second trick is to um, say to her something like, I'm reading two stories, I'm going to give you a kiss and a cuddle, and then I'm going to go, but I will leave the door open and I'll leave the hall light on. So yeah. give her, there's other securities around her. and then yeah. But say to her, I'll be back in five minutes to give you a kiss and turn up in four and a half minutes to give her a kiss. And right. that'll give okay. her some, and then just lengthen the time. If that doesn't okay. work over a few weeks, then after you've done your kiss and your cuddle, let her have an audio story about princesses and fairies, not about anything that's dark and dangerous. Yeah. Um, and let her go to sleep off an audio story, and it might help. But I suspect okay. the problem is actually she has too much sleep in the day. Okay. She's All three right. and she doesn't need that yeah. much sleep. Yeah. Okay. Well, All good right. luck, Susie. I hope that <laughs> works you. for you. Appreciate your help. Thank Thanks you so much. Now we have uh, an email from Caroline from the United States. She watches oh. us on Facebook Live. She says, my 21-month-old has been taking just one nap since about nine months. Wow. He goes down for about two hours, but lately he won't fall asleep until around 1 p.m. He wakes at 7 a.m. and goes to bed around 7.30, 7.45. My problem is this. We are moving and for in about four weeks. I'll have to drive and pick up my son from school about 15 minutes away. School is out at 1.30, oh. so I'll have to be in the car around 1.15, which is when the little one's sleeping. He's not a car sleeper. He sleeps only in his crib for usually two hours, sometimes one and a half. How am I going to do nap time? I'm so anxious about it. I can't put him down at two when we get home. That's so late. And I'm afraid whatever changes we make will stick after four weeks. Yeah. He's doing so well now with the nap. Help. Oh, that's just sad. That's Because find a daycare that goes till three, (laughs) a school. 
that gets out at one thirty must be doing mornings, I would say. He's doing a whole lot of mornings. I think that's a really difficult one because one, he you're right, if you if you hold him out till two and he sleeps from two till four, you, you won't get him to bed till nine thirty at night. And yet we need to get this other little child, we need to pick up this other little child. So because we don't have contact, we don't know what we can move around that pickup. Um, my problem is that we are moving in four weeks. So at okay. the moment, I understand he's quite, at the moment, moment it's quite it fits, easy, but, but when they move, he's gonna, she's going to have to drive to pick him up. Yeah, because at the moment, she could probably pick him up, get home, and then put the little one down. I think this is a really difficult one because at 21 months, he does need about a good two-hour sleep and to be kind to everybody. Um, so in this this case, I think you're going to have to put him down at 2, get him up at 330 and then possibly put him down at eight o'clock at night because I can't see we can't put him down earlier because he's too old for that, mm. and he's far too young for no sleep. So how long does that? Um, I'm just wondering if there's any. I chance think it's just she... an unfortunate time frame to have to pick another child up in. What if? And I don't know what Caroline's situation yeah. is, but yeah. if she was able to get help for a period of time, oh yeah, that would so definitely they could stay help. At home with the yeah. baby. How is there a period of time so she could think to herself, okay, I only need to ask them to be at home with the I baby? I would say I would probably, I think it comes down to minimum hours because obviously this round trip only takes her about half an hour to do. So I would be thinking that possibly if that's what I say to a lot of mums who who have to do the pickups in the afternoon, you know, maybe having some mother's help out. But I think someone from 12 till 2 would give her a little bit of flexibility. She might be able to go and do a bit of shopping, pick up a son and then get home again. And I'm not sure, unless it was a kindly neighbour next door who was happy to watch out for him, sit with him until she got back, I think you would have to employ someone for two hours at the minimum so that it was worth their while in doing it. But that might be the only other way. That's what we would say if you were picking up at 3.30 and you had a baby asleep is to get that help over the 3.30. She is trying to find someone to help. Oh, she is trying to find someone to help. Caroline, you're you're along. good... You're on the path. Yeah, you're on the right thought pattern that, yeah, you probably need help to do it at least three out of five days. If she did it three out of five days, those other two days where it got a bit marked up won't throw the whole pattern out completely. But, yes, it is an unfortunate time to be, have to pick up another little one. So when what you're saying as well, I guess, when you say three out of five, that means that um, – if essentially on the weekend. It has to go back into place. So she's got five days where, yeah. and that's enough if she gets five days with them in the That's right. If, she, if you do five out of seven, yep. you won't muck up a pattern. Okay. So lots of people, when we say if you do five out of seven, as in five days are normal and two aren't, they think that's great. We'll do Monday to Friday and then we'll muck up the weekend. But it's not quite like that. You'd ha- it'd have to be broken days like a, a Monday and a Thursday and the rest of the days he was in his cot. It won't muck up the overall pattern. That's interesting. Well, Caroline, maybe that's an option yeah. if you're only asking for help three days it's a week. week. It's financially might be easier to do. Pick two consecutive days and a single day. So it might be like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday um, and the two two days that are flexi and he gets a bit of sleep here and a bit of sleep there. It won't undo the whole pattern that you've so beautifully put into place. 
Well, good luck, Caroline. Understanding that this is a hard one for you, um, I hope that it works out well. And please get in touch again, see how it goes. I hope someone comes and you have a friendly neighbour. Yeah, a friendly neighbour would help you out beautifully. (laughs) All right. So um, you are listening to Kindling Helpline on Kindling Conversation. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue is with us. She has over 30 years' experience. And if this is your first time with us, every Monday Chris joins us in the studio to tackle your parenting questions. There's always a few. She also has a book called Bringing Baby Home. So if you have a new baby and you like the sound of Chris's advice, you can get it in a book. Um, So if you'd like to ask a a question, you could either call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or pop your question below if you're watching us on Facebook Live. Up next, we have Chelsea in Western Australia. She has a problem in terms of... uh, Feeding in a chi- in a high chair. Hi, Chelsea. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Good. Tell us about how how old's your child and what's happening. Okay, so I've got a sixteen month old girl. Yeah. Um, and probably from the time we started introducing solids, yep. so sitting in the high chair at five or six months, she's been doing this real stiffening oh, kind of state. Planking. Yeah, and like mm. the arms go stiff, the head goes back, <laughs> almost in a trance, but still aware of what's going on. Oh. So she's been doing that like every meal that we've had to do in the high chair. And then yep. just recently when we've turned her around in the car seat, so she's forward facing now, yeah. she's doing it for the whole car trip. So, so it's, we did is a it five... every time you sit her into a seated position? Yeah. What about the pram? Yeah, so, and she's doing it in the pram now as well. So it's even laying down in the pram because it's a, oh. a bugaboo, so it's kind of like a seated Yeah, when you seat. turn it back, yeah. Yeah. She does it. And is she completely happy if you take her out of the chair? Yeah, yeah, completely happy. Okay. And does she have a tantrum getting her in or out of the chair? No. Or does she just go straight into the plank and then just looks at you until you pick her up? Um, It's varied. I mean, she's really happy to get into the chair because she loves her food. Yeah. And dinner time, etc. Um, and sometimes we could sit for 15, 20 minutes having our meal and then she'll go into the state. More so if she leans further into the chair. Okay. Next seat. Thanks. Yeah. So the first thing I would do is two things. It sounds like a child having a tantrum just about being put into a seated position. And for 16 months, that, that you know, they object to being strapped into anything. And basically mm-hmm. the three things she's doing it to is she's being strapped into something. Okay. So um, there's a couple of things. The other thing that I think we shouldn't miss here is because you say that she goes into a trance-like state, I would video it because it could be something else. So video her doing it in the high chair, in the car seat and in the, um, and in the pram. And because most children, when they do this, when they object to being put into something, they're screaming their lungs out. They want to get out. They want to get up. They're telling you all about it. They won't go into a trance-like state. Mm. Either that or she's going to be, <laughs> she's going to be a very difficult 16-year-old <laughs> who just goes her way and that's it. So yeah. the first thing is we'll just treat it like a tantrum. So if she goes into that state, I'd put her on the floor, okay, and then give her a few minutes and try and put her back into the high chair. So that's just a, a very um, easy discipline. You're doing that. I'm going to put you on the floor. When you calm down, I'll put you back in the chair, but you don't get food until you get into the chair. That's one way of putting it. 
The other thing to look at with the high chair is maybe she just wants to feel like she's part of the family. So um, sitting it, if you can drop it down and sit it to the table, she might be more willing to get in there and stay in there um, quite happily for you. So that might help. The With the car seat and the pram, I usually get one toy that she hasn't seen before and she can hold it while you put her in the car seat or while you put her in the pram. And usually what we're doing is we're just changing her behaviour. So in, we've sort of distracted her out of planking when you go to put her in a car or a pram or the high chair. So that's the most common answer to that question. Distract, um, if they're doing it, um, especially with the high chair, I just sit them on the floor and when they've stopped doing it and they want the food, I put them back in the high chair. But I also look at the high chair being at the table and being part of the family and you're sitting on one side, that definitely helps. The distraction helps with the car seat and the pram. But the fact that she's not screaming and yelling at you and that she doesn't always do it when you put her into the car, into the seat, she does it across a period of time, is that maybe there's something else going on and you'll only know by videoing it and showing it to your GP. So is she carrying on? Is she screaming? She's not. No. I mean, if if we lift her left leg, it seems to break her out of it. We can continue eating once we drop it a few I think later, you should video it and maybe see your GP. Okay. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Video it in all the circumstances across the day yes. and and then show your GP. Okay, because so it doesn't... process. Oh, have you? We've gone to an orthopaedic. Orthopaedic? Um, yeah, like a um, paediatric orthopaedic surgeon. Oh. Her hips are both out but not enough to do any treatment. Chelsea, your, your oh. phone is breaking up there, but I oh, understood sorry. you said um, other, other specialists you might go to see. Yeah, just uh, point us in the right direction, I guess. That we I, think, I think if you've been to a good GP, and he's, I wouldn't have gone to the orthopaedic, but you know the other one, I know we have them in Sydney, I'm not sure about Western Australia, but you could ask your GP, is mm-hmm. a developmental paediatrician. Yes, I've okay. been told that many times. Yeah, they're so the they're looking at all um, the developmental sides. Okay. So that might point you in another direction um, uh-huh. than an orthopedic. Yeah, because I can sort of see the hip, where the hip yeah. might be causing her a problem, and then she starts asking. But I would try a developmental paediatrician and see how okay. you get along with that. And I guess the oh. idea is, I mean, I am not a medical professional no, at all, neither Chelsea. of us are, but that's yeah. where I'd go and look. And one thing I would say is that um, getting a second opinion and trusting yourself, Chelsea, when you feel something's wrong. If you feel like something's wrong, trust your instinct, instinct, get a second opinion. And I'm sure that's what you you wanted anyway. But don't give up until you find the right person. Because if I've had any experience talking to people who've gone through different things, it's the parent who knows something's wrong. I totally agree. They just have to find the right person to help them. So Yeah, go developmental people pediatrician that might help you out because they'll be looking in lots and lots of different areas for you they won't just look in one area for you and that's what I think you're asking for someone who's going to look at this in the big picture yeah perfect all right we didn't didn't answer the question but (laughs) thank you thanks Chelsea okay we have a question from Erin on Facebook hello Erin she has two 
seven-month-old twins. Oh. I've had a brain fart since having my toddler three years ago. <laughs> Don't we all know what that feels like? I've started my twins on solid slash mushy foods, but I can't remember what age to start things like yogurt and scrambled eggs and peanut butter. They've just turned seven months. Oh, pretty much. Erin, um, you can start introducing those now. So you're on the – they should have three meals – and about four milk feeds in their day. And you can certainly, I just wouldn't start them all together, just in case you had a reaction and then you don't know which one it is. Yogurt, definitely go with the yogurt. Giving them a little bit of yogurt. A lot of children get a lot of yogurt. Um, but as a treat or a supplement to lunch, if they're finger food eating, really good one. Uh, the scrambled eggs or eggs in general. So you want to start the yogurt for a few days so you're sure that they're fine and most children are on yogurt. The scrambled eggs and the eggs one, I would try in the morning, just in case they're going to have a reaction to it. I want to see it in the daylight, not at the end of the day. Um, so try it, and then a couple of days, try it again. Only give them a small amount. So sometimes I let them play with scrambled eggs, or omelettes a really good one, because you can cut it up, and let them bring it to their mouth. Because if they're going to come out in hives or you know red blotchy skin, it'll come out pretty quickly. Um, and sometimes the reaction come out on the second instance with eggs, so you might need to look at that. And the same with the peanut butter. And of course, you again, I'd leave it a whole week or more before I gave them the peanut butter, just so you're not doing all of these all at once. And usually with the peanut butter, I just put it on my fingers and wipe it on their lips because I'll lick it. Babies will lick it in. And then if that's okay, then put maybe some on the toast. And again, I would do that in the morning. So if there was a reaction, you could see it. But go right ahead and, and hopefully they'll enjoy all those foods. Good luck with that, Jules. Hello, Jules is writing on Facebook. She says, my two-year-old is having surgery soon to get tonsils and adenoids removed. What would be the best way to prepare her for it? Don't tell her too soon because she's only two and she doesn't really understand and she'll get herself really anxious. So in this case, I would only tell her the night before. Um, she's two and she's only just two by the sounds of it. Oh, oh no, she's two. So it depends which, which end of the two she's at. So if she's just two, I'd just say tomorrow we're going to go to the hospital and we're going to have a little sleep and mummy's going to stay with you and then we're going to bring you home. Because usually um, you would either come home later that day or maybe one night stay, depending on you know where you're going and how old she is. So I'd keep it very, very simple for a two-year-old and I'm really judging their emotions at the time. And the less panicked we are, the less panicked they are. So they'll go along with it and the hospital will help you out with the transition from you for, to them to do the surgery. And then you will most likely be there when she wakes up. So I think if she's in the younger phase... She's just turned two. She just turned two. So I think that that is the easiest way to do it. Just say to her the night before that tomorrow you're going with mummy and daddy or mummy or whoever, mummy and daddy, and we're going to the hospital... Um, and you're going to have a sleep there, a little sleep there, and when you come out, mummy and daddy will be there. Keep it really, really simple because they will be navigating what's going on around them, um, and I think you'll be surprised at two-year-olds how well they cope. Whereas three-year-olds, your... you have to explain it to them. Stock your fridge full of icy pole, ice blocks. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've just been through it with my Actually, three-year-old. Three yeah, but a two-year-old finds that hard to do. So oh, really? they'll probably give her some really good drugs. 
<laughs> well, so you can try and navigate an ice cream, but it's, I mean, an, uh, an icy pole, but it's not easy for a two-year-old. They pick the whole thing just, up. Yes. <laughs> well, good luck, Jewel. It is, yeah. um, Jules, it's a... Um, it's an experience. <laughs> Sarah from Facebook has um, a question about weaning a 15-month-old off bottles. Yep. And do I need to? Currently, she has two 200 ml bottles of cow's milk a day, one when she wakes at 5.30 and then the other before bed at 6.30. I've tried every kind of sippy cup and she won't drink milk no. from them. She uses a drink bottle with a straw for water during the day. She eats three meals a day, no issues, but doesn't really take snacks between meals. I'm not sure how to adjust her routine to not have a bottle and wonder if I need to be increasing her dairy intake in other ways. No, she sounds perfectly fine. So um, I think that at 15 months Usually I have them on two bottles, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. But what I would do is start decreasing and weaning the morning milk down. So instead of giving her 200 mils tomorrow, give her 150 mils. By 16 months, I usually have them on one bottle, which is their evening bottle. So I just slowly wean down that morning one. And then when she's, you know, you're ready to give it up, I would just swap it around. And as soon as she gets up, I'd give her breakfast. And then if she wants um, milk, then she can have it in another sippy cup. Um, she's just associated the tea with the milk. So that one's fine. And then the, the last bottle, I usually, by 18 months, I've got them off the last bottle. And I actually do it the same way. I just wean it down so they're getting less and less in the bottle. And then I substitute it for a story and a drink in their cup. Um, I just put about 50 mils in the cup. She doesn't eat a lot of dairy. They tend to eat a lot of yogurt. They tend to eat a lot of cheese. So as long as she's getting a balanced diet, she'll be absolutely fine. There's plenty of child that's never drunk a drop of milk after 12 months of age. And as long as you've got the balance um, where they're having dairy in their diet, they'll be absolutely fine. Okay, now we've only got one more question left, and this is Megan on the phone. Megan has a 14-month-old. Hi, Megan. How are you? Hi, how are you? Tell us what's happening with your little one. Yeah, so she's actually just turned 15 months. So yep. she's um, usually one of those sleepers that you actually right away for. She goes down perfectly and sleeps at night. If she wakes, she'll have a little bit of a cry, find her dummy and self-settle um, by herself. Um, except for the last five weeks, we've been having instances where she's been waking up absolutely screaming, like absolutely hysterical. Um, the only thing I can even think about is that it might be nightmares, but I have absolutely no idea how to settle her down. Um, with From it, what takes, what eventually settles her down? Um, well, usually what I... What I've got to the stage, I've tried for two hours trying everything and then I end up putting her in the car going for a big long drive. Oh, so she's wide awake. Yeah, letting her fall asleep in the car and then I can transfer her. But because it's like 2 or 3 o'clock at night, I don't want to be driving (laughs) her all the time. So So how much sleep, Megan, does she have in the day? Um, She has um, a 10 to 20 minute sleep of a morning and then a two hour lump sleep. Uh, Move Um, it to one sleep. Move it to one sleep. Yeah, and I think you'll probably find that it won't fix the whole problem, but it'll certainly manage it a lot easier. And when she wakes up overnight, she won't be awake for two hours. She might only be awake for 10 minutes. Okay. So that's the first uh, thing. I've been really really hesitant to do that because apart from like once or twice a week, 
Otherwise, she's absolutely perfect. Oh, she only does this once or twice so a week. So she only, she only wakes up absolutely screaming hysterical once or twice a week. But in every other every other day and night, she's absolutely perfect. Like you put her down and you don't hear from her. Okay. Wow. So I thought it. So, I thought yeah, it. So, she'd so, yeah, been doing so it. Yeah. It really sounds like a nightmare or something. But I have no idea how to calm her down because she's so worked up when I actually pick her well, up. Maybe she has to calm herself down. So there's nightmares and night terrors, and they're probably night terrors over nightmares. So night terror is where you, your child wakes up really crying, like. There's no work up. You know how some babies will wake up and you hear them and you hear them and then they really get into a cry. Yeah, she, no, if she, she just wakes up screaming. screaming. Now, when you go in the room, is she looking at you and is she putting her hands up? Yes, she is. Okay, so it's not a night terror. So night terror, they're very disorientated. They're not looking at you. They're throwing themselves around. So um, a nightmare she could be having, but she's very young for nightmares because usually yeah. with nightmares, they recall so, you know, the older child says there's a monster in the cupboard or something. Yeah. So I wonder whether she is just waking and she's just waking like she's asleep and then she's just waking up and she's getting herself so worked up she can't get herself back to sleep because it's okay. not happening enough. Usually night terrors happen more consistently. Yeah. And if you're saying it's only happening twice a week, I, I, my bet, my still my bet is move it to one sleep because it'll get okay. rid of it. But All you right, can no. do it nice and slowly because you've got that 20 minute sleep in the morning and the two hour sleep in the afternoon. And what you want to do is bring the two hour sleep forward. So you okay. need a couple of days where you start to put her down at 1130 yep. and let her have a big sleep and she might go down at 630 and then move it out again. You know, so that it hits, you know, by 16 months, she hits 12 o'clock going down and going to bed at 7 o'clock at night. So just do it slowly. Um, But if she's, you know, if she's happy for you to pick her up, I suspect when you pick her up, she's waking up fully. And then she can't, it's almost like she has to wait for a whole awake cycle to go through before she's tired enough to go back to sleep. Oh, okay. And the common way to fix it. Is move it yep. to one sleep, but just take it slowly, like you said. She's not doing it often, yep. but that's how you do it. You would just move her to eleven thirty and put her down. Give her lunch at eleven, put her down at eleven thirty. She'll probably sleep till one thirty or two, and then you put yep. her down at six thirty, and then slowly over the month you move it out to about twelve o'clock. Okay, no worries. Brilliant. Good luck, All Megan. Right. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank no you. Problem. And thank you, everyone, for your questions on Facebook and uh, for calling in. That's all we have time for on Kindling Helpline today. Do remember, if there's anything you've heard that you want to listen back to, you can catch all of our stories online at kindling.com.au, plus other parenting stories. Also, there's our podcast you can subscribe to and you can listen back. There's lots of advice in there from Chris. As always, Chris, thank you so much for coming oh, it's in. It's always a pleasure.